Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. Hey, it's my mom. Mama. And Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. Good morning and welcome back to our number two of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and studio producer Sarah Tafoya. Thanks so much for making us a part of your morning wherever you may be across America and beyond here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Today, uh, can you believe it, is already the seventh day of Lent. And so the question this morning is, how is your Lent going so far? If you haven't signed up for Father Rocky's new Lenten lessons on the Mass, it's still not too late. You can do it this morning at relevantradio.com slash Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before, as Father Rocky has said so many times. That's relevantradio.com slash Lent. Our email, if you want to reach us directly with any thoughts or story ideas, whatever might be on your mind, is morningair at relevantradio.com. Want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Hey, Glenn, what are a few of the big stories making headlines this hour here on this Tuesday morning? Very few folks in the West believe he died of natural causes. A premier Putin critic in Russia, Alexei Navalny, found dead in prison recently. President Biden says he's willing to put more sanctions on Russia in the wake of that activity. Actually, uh, his body not yet turned over to the family. And um, obviously, the, the reaction has been uh, quite strong uh, from uh, President Biden and also from uh, from the West in general. People are outraged uh, to, to see uh, the way that uh, Navalny died. Yeah, uh, said to have been uh, beaten very badly, among other other difficulties that he would have faced in a, a very severe Russian prison situation. And uh, many, many, I think the, the number might be about two dozen in the last couple of years of, uh, of folks who have speaking out uh, against uh, Mr. Putin that are no longer with us. Well, it makes us really uh, take a moment and appreciate the freedoms that we have here in this country. And obviously in Russia, you cannot say anything. You, In fact, I understand you can't even put flowers out uh, for Alexei Navalny uh, as, as a memorial because that'll get you arrested. Yeah, they've been uh, arresting mourners and uh, his, his widow says she'll carry on the fight. Yes, absolutely. Uh, just incredible. Uh, meanwhile, Nikki Haley is in the news this morning. Yeah, set to give a speech later today on the state of the presidential race. Of course, uh, this Saturday, the 24th, the uh, big South Carolina primary. That's Haley's home state, former governor there, as well as former U.N. Ambassador President Trump. Uh, former President Trump with about a 30-point lead in the polls there. And so uh, uh, whether she'll say, hey, we're we're in it for the long run, as, as some think, or as some even speculating she might call it quits, we don't know. Well, she's staring at uh, at a big mountain, a virtual Mount Everest, because uh, that is a, a lot of uh, a lot of points uh, uh, ahead that Mr. Trump is uh, of Nikki Haley. So, uh, who knows what she's going to say uh, today? But uh, she has seemed, uh, you know, consistently saying that she's not going to uh, she's not going to quit. She, she plans on uh, staying the course uh, through Super uh, Tuesday. Interesting too, and we had on the news moments ago. She announced she would pardon Trump. If that were the situation that he needed pardoning and she was in a, 
a position to do that. So that's uh, that's kind of interesting. Also, speculation that uh, she might launch her own line of shoes uh, to follow up with President Trump, who announced some uh, expensive new sneakers available as of last Saturday. You've got to be kidding. You're, you're joking. <laughs> That's right, John. Yep. And uh, <laughs> former President Trump was not joking, though. But, uh, no, he's, he's he was selling shoes. Yeah. Yeah, we we uh, chatted about it yesterday. Uh, those uh, gold high top uh, Trump shoes with the uh, uh, the flag uh, on the on the back of them and the uh, T on the side. Uh, uh, quite interesting. Uh, Four hundred dollars a pop. You know, you want those. You know, you want those. Well, there's lots of different ways to uh, inv- evangelize and get your message across. And, you know, uh, so that is one way that he can, you know, walk around America without uh, ever having to actually do it himself is to, you know, make sure he gets on <laughs> some feet and do that free advertising. All right. I'm sure you uh, wore gym shoes in Disney World. Oh, uh, yeah. I wore them out. I need to get some new ones. That's for sure. Because uh, my Fitbit told me that I was doing at least 20,000, up to 30,000 uh, steps a day oh, while oh, I man. was walking <laughs> all around Disney. That is, a, there's a lot of big parks. And actually, it's interesting because um, the park that I walked the most was the smallest park. Can you guess which one that is? Uh, the Magic Kingdom. It is. It is the smallest. smallest. A lot of people are very um, shocked by that because there's so much in there. It's actually the smallest of the four parks in Walt Disney World. And I got over 30,000 steps. Sorry to say my husband did not get that many. He was, we were not having a race, but I kicked his butt every day. So we'll just say that. I did a lot more walking. Than he chose to stay and have a little bit of breakfast before getting in the park. And I said, I'll eat on the go because we wanted to get all those wonderful rides in. So uh, you had fun going to all the parks, not just Magic Kingdom. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, we hit up every single park. Um, Actually, I went with not just my family, but my parents and my sister's family. So there was 13 of us all together. We were a lot of counting, making sure we had all seven (laughs) children and two strollers. And my mother was in a wheelchair, so we had to do a lot of counting. If you're in a wheelchair, don't you get to cut the line? Uh, no, you do not. Uh, there were actually a couple of rides where we there were special access points. So you still, you know, you did have to go a certain way just because of the way the rides were designed, the wait lines. There's not enough space to kind of go around with the wheelchair. But we did have to wait in a lot of lines. And my mom, <laughs> she got one of those uh, at the park. She had some, sometimes she had one that was like a, a pushing wheelchair. And other times she got the electric scooter and uh, watch out. So those, those, you have to take a little practice to kind of get the curves and everything. And, you know, she only bumped in a couple things. She did really well. God bless her. And, um, you know, she navigated through all of the things to make sure she got on the rides and to be there and getting all the pictures for the grandkids. And she made sure that she got on all the rides that are her favorite to go on. All right. Uh, what was the, the, the kids' favorites? favorite ride? Ooh, that is difficult to say. This was one of the rides that we always have to go on when we went there. I don't know if you guys have been on this one. Oh my goodness, it's a small world. Oh, it is a small world. And uh, we. speaking of which, I did see a person that I know from Juliet that happened to be in Disney World. We didn't know that we were going to run to him, so you never know who you're going to... What was, that's what I... We were in the Magic Kingdom when we saw each other, but we were in Epcot. So it was a big world there because you got to see all the countries. That's when my husband said, hey, when are we going to see the countries? I said, I took you to Epcot, dear. We're good. We stamped our passport, but he didn't buy that. But I yeah. always say it's a small Catholic world. Too. Yeah, it can be. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Did you bring back uh, some Mickey Mouse ears? Well, we did bring back some souvenirs. Not all of them were ears. I'll say that. Um, luckily that my parents did come with me and they brought their big suitcases because we did need to borrow them to store all the many lightsabers and pirate swords and stuffed (laughs) animals 
and many different trinkets um, that uh, were purchased and and bought and did not fit in our suitcases to bring home. So I'm glad that's, you know, any advice for people going to Disney is bring uh, other people with you because you just will never have enough room uh, to store all of the items. You you don't remember, hey, I got to bring all these stuff back because there's so many cool things there. It's really hard to narrow down what... uh, what you want to do. Well, for those of us who have had the the uh, experience of, of visiting uh, Disney World, it always brings back memories. I I just had a flashback of uh, Joseph crying his little uh, eyes out uh, when he was, oh, he was less than two and he wanted to go again after waiting for almost an hour to be on the Dumbo ride. <laughs> Yep, there's long lines all the time, and uh, the nice thing now is Disney has an app, so while you're in the park, you can see what the wait lines are without walking to all of the different rides. You can just simply look on the app, and it tells you how long your wait line is. Um, so the, the thing about that, though, is that everyone has that app. So everyone's, oh, five minutes. And then all of a sudden, it's not five minutes. It's a half hour to 45 minutes because everyone rushed over there to quickly get on that ride. But if you can beat the rush, then you can uh, get on the ride pretty quickly. And now, we, as, as adults, we're thinking about those lines. But were there any special moments for the kids getting to see Disney characters that, you know, really amazed them? Uh, yeah, we got to see some characters. That was fun. It, when we got to the hotel right off the bat, um, I'm I mean, I, I'm about the kids, but uh, me and my sister were standing there. Rapunzel walked out, and we were like, whoa, Rapunzel. We were so excited. <laughs> you know, uh, I can see the light. We're quoting things from the movie, and, you know, of course, they're, like, trying to find kids to talk to because you know, they're very good. They interact with you. But my sister, like, leapfrogged over a bunch of luggage to get her daughter so they could go take a picture with Rapunzel. It was very hum- humorous. But, uh, you know, sometimes as an adult, you know, you're still a kid inside. So we were very... We were very excited as adults to see like the parades and all the characters. And we were just naming all the characters as are coming by our favorites. You know, hey, there's Aladdin. I can't believe in Aladdin. Hey, you know, so it was very cool to just see sometimes <laughs> just walking down the street and there's a Disney character, celebrity sightings everywhere. Well, Sarah, I'm so glad to hear that uh, even though uh, Disney has become a, a little woke in recent years, you can still go to the actual parks and have fun as a family. We still did have fun despite that. You're right. I have the same concern as everyone else but uh, when you're there in the park there's something magical about it they do know how to make you make sure you have a good time and they do make sure that the parks look nice and that everything um, I mean, there was a couple times where you know you see somebody spill popcorn and then like you turn your eye and what it's gone it's just quick they're very quick they got a lot of employees to make sure everything looks nice and magical and when you don't like something they're very quick to try to make sure that they remedy that situation and, uh, yeah, if, <laughs> if you're there, um, make sure that you uh, count heads because a couple of times it wasn't so magical. We, lo- we almost lost one kid in the boneyard and almost one lost lost one kid by the donut shop, but uh, they, they quickly turned around and we caught them and it was all good. But you yeah, never know. Yeah, you do not want to be separated from the family at a yeah. place like that because it's super hard to uh, – to get back together. Well, the nice thing is, though, that there were a lot. I mean, when you're in Disney World or maybe at other parks, too, I don't know. But um, a lot of people were very courteous about that. When they there was one child who did get separated from his family and another person saw that and quickly came to the child and brought them to a cast member working there at Disney. And they were able to fix the situation quickly. So they're prepared for those situations because obviously that can happen. There's a lot of people there. But, um, you know, it's nice to know that, you know, you're in a place where the people that are coming, the vacationing there, they're not trying to be mean and hurtful too. They're all wanting to be a part of that, you know, trying to make it a good experience for everyone. So it was good. I'm glad to be back, guys. I I'm ran gl- out of PTO. I got to come back to work. <laughs> I'm glad you're back. You, back. Uh, you look at least a few <laughs> shades uh, darker. Well, I hope so. For standing in the sun for a whole week, I better have something going on. 
All right, Sarah, as always, thanks so much, uh, and Glenn uh, also. We begin every hour here on the show, always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all of the many blessings as we continue to pray through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary, and we pray for peace in the world, especially in the Middle East and in Ukraine, uh, peace in our nation, peace in our church, and in our families. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of Relevant Radio, pray for us. And we always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning here on the show when we pray, Come, Holy Spirit, come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Ephesians 2.8. The Apostle St. Paul writes, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Our salvation is all about faith because everything depends on faith. Everything is grace. We're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, working in love. In fact, according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, believing in Jesus Christ and in the one who sent him for our salvation is necessary for obtaining that salvation. This is why the letter of the Hebrew says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And this is why St. Paul tells us that we must walk by faith and not by sight. So we always pray with a great confidence and with great faith that uh, powerful prayer from the Chaplet of Divine Mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. You can uh, find us on social media, our handle on X, formerly Twitter, at Morning Air Show, as well as on Facebook. We're going to take a short pause when Morning Air continues. Yeah, Catholic evangelist Martha Fernandez Sardina, the co-founder, uh, actually the founder of RememberYouAreLoved.com, will be with us to share some scriptural highlights intended to move us to respond to the saving love of the Lord during this Lent. So stay with us. There's much more to come on this Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. This is Morning Air. Your home for faith, fun, and news in the morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much uh, for tuning in on this uh, Tuesday morning here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the conversation, is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters. And now, let's talk about love. During this first 
week of Lent, the Lord calls us to repent so that he might relent from the punishment that awaits those who won't and don't repent and believe in the gospel. That's the purpose of this great season of grace and of all of our Lenten disciplines. Joining us live this morning is our resident lavologist and regular contributor, Martha Fernandez-Sardina, to share some scriptural highlights intended to move us to respond to the saving love of the Lord with our love and devotion and the fruits of conversion uh, during this Lent. Martha is an international bilingual speaker, the former director for evangelization for the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C. and San Antonio. She's also the founder of Remember You Are Loved. Com. Good morning, Martha. Happy Lent. Thanks so much for joining us. It's uh, great to be with you once again. Good morning. Great to be with you, John. Hey, Martha, what is uh, the love call that the Lord extends uh, to us uh, during this first full week of Lent? Well, Jesus says, we heard it uh, in this past Sunday, we hear it every day, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent that he may relent. This Lent, I say, so this Lent, repent, I say to you, that the Lord might relent, I pray, uh, Lord God. So Jesus is serious in his welcome and in his warnings to us. If we obey him, his commandments, his call to conversion, all will be well. If we don't, it won't. And that's the call of Lent from the very beginning, that we show the fruits of conversion. Uh, We heard it uh, back uh, last week on Ash Wednesday from the prophet Joel, the Lord saying, now return to me with your whole heart with fasting and weeping and mourning and rend your hearts, return to the Lord because he's gracious and merciful and perhaps he will again relent. So we repent and return and he will relent and return his grace and his presence to us. We heard it even the next day on Thursday after Ash Wednesday that we are to take up our cross daily and follow me. He says, and you know, John, that little word in there, daily is the one that sometimes I forget. We are to deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. And that if we lose our life, we will save it. We will, we will secure our life forever. And then the, 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 the church and the Lord through the church continued to invite us on Saturday, follow me again, the Lord says, and he was calling, he says to repentance, all sinners, and we're all sinners. And so if you know you're a sinner, you will repent, you will respond to the call. And then of course, as I said, on Sunday, we have that call to repent and believe in the gospel. And it's beautiful to think that the Lord can change our reality, can change uh, the course, the direction that we're going in, can change for us uh, the uh, eternal, the outcome in the end, in eternity, if we obey and pray if we decide uh, to live according to the commandments uh, and avoid the punishment that the Lord has warned us is coming to whom? To those who won't and don't live Lent, those who don't and won't live their lives according to the gospel mandates, uh, to all that we're called to, to believe and that all that we're called to be and all that we're called to do, to those who won't obey the Lord, to those who will not live for God alone, Uh, and from every word that comes from the mouth of God, uh, there is punishment. And the Lord is clear about that. He's he's so open about his welcome, and he's also so open about his warnings. Don't live in vainglory. Don't go after those six Ps, position, prominence, prestige, power, possessions, pleasure. Rather, seek the Lord. 
That is the call, to seek the Lord uh, with our whole hearts. And, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like in this day and age, uh, you know, we don't even acknowledge the reality of sin. In fact, uh, I think it was uh, Pius XII way back around World War II who said the greatest sin of our generation is that it has lost its sense of sin. And that was then, and I think we've lost it even more now. Yes, and uh, we've lost the sense of sin even more, but we've increased sin even more because it seems like we've inverted everything. It seems like, uh, you know, Satan is working overtime and all the demons and everything is upside down and backwards. Well, Martha, there's all kinds of uh, things that people give up uh, during the Lenten season. Um, what would you say are among the principal attitudes that we need to have as, as we journey uh, with our Lord Jesus Christ uh, into the desert? Well, give up sin. That's a good one. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, I, it sounds funny, but give up sin. How many of us really think, you know what? I'm going to give up sin this Lent and hereafter every single day of my life. Uh, but also Lent is about listening to and responding to Jesus. And that is how we can give up sin and break sin patterns. Lent is about obeying the Lord. It's about begging the Lord for the grace to break uh, sin patterns and 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 all kinds of vices and and replace vice with virtue. It's it's about uh, primarily uh, it's about assessing our relationship with God. Uh, how do we stand with Him uh, and and in our life in general, our Christian life, not just Lent. You know, it shouldn't end with Lent. It's about recognizing anew, always fresh, what God has done for us and what He has in store for us, what awaits us, uh, for better or for worse. You know, for those who obey. Uh, glory in heaven for those who disobey and persist in that, possibly hell. The Lord says that, not me. Uh, and so it's a time for us to respond to God and to his love and to his plan and to his expectations of us. And so the Lenten disciplines and the practices are primarily uh, meant to facilitate conversion and to help us clean house and to dispose us to cease in and uproot it, give it up. Uh, to dispose us to detach from worldly attachments and to cling to Jesus and and to see where, where uh, we fall short, where we're failing, where we need change, uh, and then convert accordingly and to open our hearts to receive that love of Christ and to respond to him in kind with love and commitment and devotion so that we can unite ourselves more fully to him and we can uh, imitate him more fully and be more converted and more holy and less attached and more detached from earthly things and more ready and willing and able to enter heaven. So that's what Lent's about. Uh, give up sin, take on grace, take up your cross, do penance, do reparation, and, and have yourself an immersion experience, a, a crash course, a refresher course on the immense, extravagant, generous love of God and his equally demanding demands on each of us. There are many scriptures. In fact, you quoted a few at the beginning uh, to remind us uh, of what we need to do here uh, d during Lent. Uh, can you share with us a few scriptural passages uh, uh, presented to us uh, revealing that beautiful, generous love of God and uh, those clear and serious demands on our love as well? That's one thing that a lot of people do know, but many people don't or forget that every single day throughout the year, but especially during Lent, we have readings that can guide our way. They can be a, a light onto our path. And, and so, for example, yesterday on Monday, this first week of Lent, 
we heard among the other readings uh, from Leviticus 19, where the Lord says, you shall and you shall not, you shall not this and you shall that. And among the things that he says is that you shall be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. And so that is a serious thing. We need to recognize that that is his expectation. So go back and read that from Leviticus 19. Uh, if we don't, we'll pay the price. We'll suffer the consequences, as I, as I said. We also heard the Lord saying in Matthew 25 that uh, he will, when he comes in glory, will separate uh, the good and the bad, one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, he will place the sheep on the right and on his right, and the goats on his left. And he will say, then the king, he says, is right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And to those on his left, and this is serious because some people think hell is empty and no one's going there. Well, guess what? The Lord said, depart from me, you are cursed into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So that's uh, just just yesterday. You could just meditate on that for days uh, and, and so forth. And so goes on the week with readings full of uh, wisdom for us. And Martha, it's also a reminder of the uh, corporal and spiritual works of mercy there in Matthew 25 that speaks so loudly to our hearts uh, during this Lenten season. Absolutely, which is one reason why, especially during the Lenten season, we are called uh, to almsgiving. And it's a form of also reparation for the many times in which we've been stingy, we've been selfish, we have been so self-centered. And when we don't recognize Jesus Christ, his living image in every other uh, living human being. What uh, heavenly aid do we have available to respond uh, to uh, the demands of, of the Lord and, and to avoid um, some of, the, of these uh, punishments uh, in this pilgrimage of interior conversion uh, that we're going through here in Lent? Well, uh, the Our Father uh, is a wonderful prayer. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ taught us to pray that, and his Father is now our Father, and, and we hear that uh, in today's gospel from Matthew 6 that he teaches us to pray uh, to the Father. And so we must uh, walk and talk uh, like Jesus every day. And that's one way in which we can do that. And it's, it's, it's full of richness. And so I would commend that prayer to everyone every single day. Pray it many times a day and hallow, worship his name. Have his name be holy before you recognize the holiness of God. And we need our daily bread, which above all things is the Word of God incarnate, Jesus Christ in the Holy Eucharist, which is the written Word of God in the Bible and in sacred tradition. And so run with that. Run with the grace that comes from us from on high for uh, that grace to, to be forgiven of our sins uh, as we forgive others, to have the Lord help us not fall into temptation, uh, to be fed by the Word of God and by the bread of life. So right there, just with the Our Father that we hear in today's Gospel, we have uh, a real uh, heavenly aid. Pray to God, who is your Father. And if we really take the words of the Our Father uh, to heart, when uh, Our Father asks us to uh, forgive those who trespass against us, um, that's much easier said than done. In fact, the, the very next uh, line after the Our Father there in Matthew 6, if you forgive men their transgressions, our Heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you do not forgive men, neither will your Father forgive your transgressions. So that's that's pretty challenging right there. We, we are we have to forgive others. Yes, and it's so brief that we might not be forgiven. 
hopeful thing on the flip side is for those of you who struggle with feeling that God has not forgiven you or that he cannot forgive your sins. Well, right there in the Our Father, we have an assurance from the lips of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ himself that if you pray and do penance and you live the way he has taught us, the Lord will forgive your sins. So, yeah. Well, Martha, there is uh, many, many other uh, powerful scriptures uh, that we uh, can go over, and we'll have to uh, take it up next week. Uh, Thanks uh, for your perspective here. Really, a lot of good questions uh, to get us uh, thinking, uh, to get us closer to our Lord here during uh, this uh, early part of Lent. Yes, I encourage each one of you, go every single day, find the scriptures online, wherever on your apps uh, that you have on your phones, whatever you use to pray, go deep with the Lord, go deep into the desert, go deep into his heart, go deep into your heart, so that there you might hear the Lord saying, remember, you are loved. And so are you. Uh, Martha, as always, thanks so much for being with us. Martha Fernandez-Sardina, the founder of RememberYouAreLove.com and uh, the host of Remember You Are Love TV series as well. We need to take a a short pause when Morning Air continues. Professor Harry Kramer, professor of management and strategy at Kellogg School of Management and the former CEO of Baxter will be with us with his perspective on why more CEOs are dying on the job. Stay with us. We're headed down the stretch on this uh, Tuesday edition of Morning Air here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales, Sarah Tafoya, and Glenn Leverance. This is Morning Air. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah, thanks so much for joining us on this Tuesday morning in the first full week of Lent here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. Our toll-free line, if you want to be part of the program, at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. You can send us an email directly. Morningair at relevantradio.com is the address. Now, did you know that in 2023, 19 chief executive officers died in office, uh, the highest total since 2010? In fact, uh, recently, the Wall Street Journal reported that according to Challenger Gray and Christmas, which tracks turnover at U.S. companies, there was a record 1,914 CEOs that exited in 2023 alone. What are some of the pressures uh, that CEOs are experiencing and why are more CEOs uh, actually dying on the job? Joining us live this morning is uh, former CEO of Baxter and a Morning Air regular contributor, Professor Harry Kramer, to talk about this issue. And uh, he's going to share how he himself handled those pressures as a former CEO. Harry's a professor of management and strategy at Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management, where he teaches in the MBA and executive MBA programs. He's an executive partner with Madison Dearborn Partners, one of the largest private equity firms in the U.S. Good morning, Professor Harry. Uh, Happy Lent. Uh, Thanks so much uh, for joining us. It's great to be with you once again. Always great to be with you, John, and the team. Always great to be with you. Well, Harry, I know that you were uh, halfway around the world and came a long way to be able to join us this morning. I just came back from a little twenty-hour ride uh, from Hong Kong. I was I was doing some teaching for Northwestern University's Kellogg program for executives over in Asia for like 
20 some countries and uh, great to be back in Chicago. Now that, now that spring training is getting ready to roll, I thought I better get back here, John. You're, you're back just in time. In fact, I believe uh, the, the games are actually going to be starting uh, this coming weekend down in spring training. So, uh, yes, uh, baseball, uh, the, the real thing is right around the corner. Absolutely. I'm getting ready, John. I'm getting ready. Me too. <laughs> uh, all right, Professor, I want to get your take. Why do you think uh, so many CEOs have quit their jobs uh, and, and, and some have actually died uh, on the job uh, in recent times? Yeah. So it's very interesting, John, Uh, some of the comments that you've accurately made, not only do they apply to CEOs, I think they really apply to anybody who's a manager or a leader. And what a lot of the research has found is that it's very, very easy, John, very easy uh, to get, let the stress get to you. Um, And because of the stress, it can impact your health. Um, And, you know, also there's a lot of discussions that if you make this job lonely, uh, because you've got to make all these decisions and you don't get a lot of help, a combination, John, of the stress, uh, the, the loneliness, uh, it can impact your health enough that it can actually kill you. It can actually kill you. Well, I tell you what, as as after I finished, um, you know, going over our our notes and and, and preparing for this segment here this morning uh, yesterday, I said to myself, I better get in in our basement and go do a workout because <laughs> definitely <laughs> I do not want to be one of those guys uh, that uh, forgets about taking care of the body as well as uh, you know the mind and the soul. So uh, you know, I did a little extra workout and had you in mind uh, yesterday, Professor. Well, you know, it's 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 really is amazing, John, because you know, so many companies, so many people. I'm sure we all here talk about this whole concept of work-life balance, and I always tease that if you think about it, wait a minute, work-life balance. You're either working or you're living, um, and some of us are working. If that's not living, that could be a problem, and that's one of the reasons I'm talking right about John that it is work-life balance. It's life balance. How do you balance your career? your family, your spirituality, as you just said, your health, a little exercise, a little sleep too, John, um, really making sure that you put things in perspective, um, that literally it's a balance. And as you well know, in any job you've been in, and you've been in a lot of them, John, it, it isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. And if it's a marathon, you got to pace yourself. You better surround yourself with people that can help you say, hey, John, should you get a little exercise? Should you get a little bit of sleep? How do you put it in perspective? And I think in a lot of these jobs, John, uh, if you let the stress get to you, if you get the loneliness going, you can have a real, real problem. And uh, I always talk about a couple things to remember to, to help minimize. You can't, you can't eliminate, but how do you minimize a lot of this stress and pressure uh, and loneliness that can actually cause severe problems? And uh, as you pointed out, and I, I was thinking the exact same thing, um, this article in the Wall Street Journal that uh, I alluded to um, that actually you're quoted in um, doesn't just apply uh, to CEOs of, you know, Fortune 500 companies. This applies to anybody who's in a stressful, you know, high management leadership position, even an entrepreneur for that matter. And, uh, you know, uh, it, you know, even people in broadcasting have to deal with a lot of stress like myself. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Well, what's in fact, John, think about it. Any person, let's say some of our listeners, they're a manager uh, and they have three or four people reporting to them and they could be anywhere in the organization. And all of a sudden now there's issues to deal with. Well, if you as a manager, John, or CEO, whatever you are, if you feel like, oh, wait a minute, I've got to figure this out and I have to figure it out myself. Well, wait a minute. You've got three or four people, John. 
you know, God's giving you three or four people. How about working with them? How about asking them, hey, I'm the manager. I'm the leader. I have to make the decision. But, hey, Joe, what would you do? Mary, what would you do? Be- Wait a minute. Oh, would John say that again? Oh, that, I think that's it. Because most really good leaders, they surround themselves with a couple of good people, John, um, who, because they realize they're not trying to be right. They're trying to do the right thing. So by literally surrounding yourself with really good people and engaging with them and asking what they think, well, now all of a sudden it isn't quite as lonely. It isn't as quite as stressful. Yes, we got to make a decision, but let's get the team to focus on making a decision rather than, oh my goodness, I have to do this all by myself. Want to open up the phone lines uh, and invite our listeners if you want to be part of our conversation on why more CEOs are experiencing migraines, ulcers, panic attacks, and even dying on the job. If you're a high-level executive and maybe you might want to share how you yourself deal with uh, the stresses uh, of the job, we're taking your calls for former Baxter CEO, uh, Professor Harry Kramer at 888-914-9149, 9149. Those numbers uh, that were reported, Professor, in the Wall Street Journal article were kind of shocking. You know, 19 CEOs dying in 2023 this past year and over 1,900 quitting their jobs because just too much stress. Yeah, no, I think a combination of everything that's going on, John, and then you put on that all of the continued impact of COVID, uh, people being remote not being surrounded by as many people that they can feel that they can just walk next door or look at the next cubicle or, Hey, John, what do you think about this? And you know, a lot of the people working at home where they, yes, they may be able to get on one of these, you know, zoom or team things or whatever, but that, you know, as human beings, you know, we need to be around people. And when you've got to make decisions and you have nobody that you can talk with right there and that's next to you, that adds a tremendous amount of stress, John. And, it, it builds up to the point where you can see all the things that are going on now. But Professor Harry, how did you deal uh, with the pressures uh, of the job when you were the CEO of Baxter International? What, what was that like? Well, you know, John, the way I thought about it is, oh, geez, Harry, you must be you must be really stressed. And I thought, yeah, I've got things to deal with, but but I always made sure, John, whenever there was an issue. Rather than feeling, okay, it's my ego, I've got to handle this all by myself, I would literally talk to people and I would say, hey, you know, Bill, what do you think? Mary, what do you think? And just by getting their ideas, realizing, you know, I'm not here alone, I've got this team of people, that immediately reduced the stress, immediately made it feel like, okay, I've got to make a decision. But as a team, we realize, you know what, there's two things we're going to do to, to avoid the stress. Number one, as a team, we're going to try to do the right thing. You know, hey, maybe say a prayer. You know, think about, okay, what, what really do we feel makes the most sense? And we'll do the best we can do in the time we allocate to it. And it's very interesting, John. I always mention to executives, I mentioned the students at Kellogg. I'm sure you see this yourself, John. It's very easy to have certain things overwhelm us. Worry, fear, anxiety, pressure, stress. Very, very easy. But if you say to yourself, wait a minute, wait a minute. Things are going really well now, John, but you know what? Tomorrow there could be issues. What are we going to do to reduce worry, fear, anxiety, pressure, and stress? And I decided if we could actually say a prayer and convince ourselves, and I mean this is beyond words, John, convince ourselves that no matter what happens, we'll do the right thing, 
we'll do the best we can do. We'll do the right thing, we'll do the best we can do. I would argue you can significantly reduce worry, fear, anxiety, pressure, and stress. You can't eliminate them. Welcome to the real world. Okay, everything under is a test on this earth. But by doing that, John, it significantly reduces this and reduces your health issues. And I think it makes you much better prepared to get in the game and do the best you can. 888 Monique is joining us from Chicago this morning. Good morning, Monique. Welcome to Morning Air. You're on with Professor Harry Kramer. Good morning, and thank you very much, both of you, for taking my call. And as I told the call, that's not only for executives. Secretaries have the same issue simply because if you're in a position where you have many supervisors and everybody has their own way of doing it, and when you, as a secretary who might have been a secretary, like in my case for 45 years, there are certain avenues that you've learned to try and make sure that Things are concise, effective, and efficient, but the supervisors look at you as the secretary because of the fact that you don't have that education paper-wise, but you might have it experience-wise, because I always explain to my supervisors, it's better to do it one time effectively and efficiently than to do it 13 times, and it's not correct. You raise a fantastic point, a fantastic, and I'm thrilled that you brought up that issue because I actually believe a secretary could play such an enormous role, and there there are ways that they can get feel so much pressure from everything going on. But as you said, let's take the time, let's say a prayer, rather than just running around like crazy. You know what is the most effective way to do it? How do we avoid doing it 13 times? And by separating what I call you know, activity from productivity. You know, John, as you know, you know, we're very, very active, but how productive are we? And as Shemini so well says, taking the time in a very, very good way to say, wait a minute, what makes sense here? Let's not run around like crazy and let's just try to do it the right way. And getting, surrounding yourself with some people that can help you think this through has an enormous impact on worry, fear, anxiety, pressure, and stress, for sure. Thanks so much, Monique. Appreciate the call, uh, Professor. It really doesn't make any difference uh, how much money you make. I mean, if you, if you make you know five million dollars a year or twenty million dollars a year, uh, that's not going to make up for a lack of uh, sleep or not working out, not taking care of your your body, not eating properly. Uh, all of these things are, are factors uh, that were mentioned in that Wall Street uh, Journal article that are actually uh, affecting CEOs and and that uh, burnout. It's real. Oh, no, no question, John. No question. And I, I always think about it. I know how active you've been in sports. You know, I always tell everybody when I was doing this in front of a hundred managers the other day, I said, you know what? Hey, how many of you were in sports at one time in your life? And people raise their hand. And so, well, think about what the coaches told you, you know, Hey, make sure that you eat right. Make sure you get some sleep, make sure you exercise enough and whatever we do. Okay. Leave it on the field because what did you learn? You know, we'll be better tomorrow. But an awful lot of people, John, in a lot of jobs, they, they literally think, you know, that this is some sort of a sprint. As you well know, John, it's a marathon. It's a marathon. And if you don't pace yourself, if you don't put it in perspective, if you let it get to you, I mean, boy, oh boy, John, it, it health issues and literally can affect your life. And so I'm always trying to tell people, you know, yes, there's a job. Yes, we got to get it done, but it's a marathon. Make sure you get some sleep. And you're not going to operate as well when you're working 18 hours in a row. 
you know, you've got to pace yourself to be able to get the job done. Professor, you, there's a funny story that you shared in that Wall Street uh, Journal article uh, about what you did when uh, one of your meetings actually got canceled. Yeah, so the fun part here, John, is that other people say to me, oh my goodness, you know, you have 55,000 people, you got this worldwide, boy, Harry, it really must be lonely. And I was teasing the person saying, wait a minute, of all my issues, and I had a lot of them, one of them was not being lonely. I, the idea of being lonely sometimes would actually be something I'd look forward to. And as I mentioned in that article, John, you know, once in a while, if all of a sudden one of my meetings was canceled, um, I'd say, I'd say, Hey, Kathy, we have not, I really have an hour. I really have an hour, no meeting. And I would race down stairs. I had a little, uh, a Toyota convertible car. I, I get in the car, John, I put the top down. I put my Bruce Springsteen tape on at a pretty good volume, the boss. And I would just take a ride. I would end up uh, going like to find a little McDonald's. I'd get a diet Coke. I'd sit in the back of the parking lot. I turn it on real loud. And I'd say to myself, you know, I'm finally lonely. And boy, this feels really good until Kathy would call and say, hey, Harry, you've been gone almost an hour. There's a meeting. You got to get back here. So a little bit of loneliness, John, in my mind, isn't going to hurt you. That is uh, that is hysterical. Uh, I understand <laughs> you, you enjoyed your Big Macs. Uh, you know what? I, well, you know what? I tried to avoid too many of those, John. But I, I, I figured a diet coke I could rationalize wouldn't hurt me wouldn't hurt me too much. <laughs> there you go. All right, uh, final moments. Uh, some some thoughts on uh, the importance of of taking care uh, of of our health, uh, physically, mentally, and especially spiritually. For us as as people of faith, as Catholics, uh, we have uh, some extra tools in our toolbox. Yeah, you know, John, I, I literally think about it. You know, in that that book that I call, you know, your one sixty eight. You know, literally, you know, are you truly balancing your life? Are you, are you taking enough time for prayer? Are you taking enough time to ask, what would God want me to do? And if I want to spend time with my children and my grandchildren, uh, you know, I got to pace myself. And yes, we'll get it done, but let's make sure that the people we work with can help us out. Ask people, if you and me, what would you do? How should we handle this? Because again, I don't have to have all the answers, but if I have a team that can help me, we, we could be very, very good. It's putting it in perspective. It really is a marathon, Chief. If we're going to do what we're doing now the next 20 years, we better pace ourselves. Well, as always, uh, really appreciate uh, your uh, perspective. And uh, obviously, uh, we can go to your, uh, to your website uh, at uh, harrykramer.org uh, for uh, much more. And uh, there's a link there to the, the entire Wall Street uh, Journal article as well. Thanks so much uh, for being with us, uh, Professor. Take care, John. Pace yourself, my friend. Take Absolutely. Care. Go Cubs. Take Former Go Cubs. Baxter CEO, Professor Harry Kramer with us here on Morning Air. And now it is time for yet another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today is called Perfect Peace. There once was a king who offered a prize to the artist who would paint the best picture of peace. Many artists tried. The king looked at all the pictures... But there were only two he really liked, and he had to choose between them. One picture was of a calm lake. The lake was a perfect mirror for the peaceful, towering mountains all around it. Overhead was a blue sky with fluffy white clouds. All who saw this picture thought it was the perfect picture of peace. The other picture had mountains too, but these were rugged and bare. Above was an angry sky from which rain fell and which lightning played. Down the side of the mountain tumbled a foaming waterfall. This did not look peaceful at all. But when the king looked closely, he saw behind the waterfall 
a tiny bush growing in a crack in the rock. In the bush, a mother bird had built her nest. There in the midst of the rush of angry water sat the mother bird on her nest in perfect peace. Which picture do you think won the prize? The king chose the second picture. You know why? Because, explained the king, peace does not mean to be in a place where there is no noise, trouble, or hard work. Peace means to be in the midst of all those things and still be calm in your heart. That is the real meaning of peace. John 16.33 says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. As always, uh, thanks so much, uh, Glenn. A powerful message this morning. During uh, this Lent, let's honor our Lord Jesus and His Blessed Mother Mary by praying and watching the Family Rosary Across America with Father Rocky and Maggie at 7 p.m. Central tonight and every night of the week here on Relevant Radio and the new Relevant Radio app. And that'll do it uh, on this uh, Tuesday, uh, February 20th, 2024 edition of Morning Air for Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, and our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you tomorrow on the next Morning Air. The Patrick Madrid Show is straight ahead.